Now, before uh, John Lewis was the, 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 the famous high street store with the famous Christmas advert, it used to be Marks and Spencers. And a few years ago, they had this uh, challenge where they put to celebrities in their Christmas advert, how would you sum up Christmas in three words? How would you sum up Christmas in three words? And some of the answers included last-minute shopping, eating too much, queen speech, no Brussels sprouts, no batteries included, friends and family. That's what it was all about to them. I wonder, how would you sum up Christmas in three words? Well, if we were to put that question to Luke, the author of Luke's Gospel, I think he'd give us three radically different words. And the first word would be this, historical. Christmas is historical. Christmas really happened. And the reason I believe that Luke would use this word is because at the very beginning of his gospel, he says in chapter 1, in verses 1 to 4, the reason he wrote this gospel was so that all who would read it would have confidence and certainty about who Jesus is, about why he came into this world, and why he is worthy of us following him. You see, Luke's gospel is a carefully, thoroughly researched account, eyewitness account, of Jesus' life. And it's really fascinating that in his account of the first Christmas, he gives us all these sorts of facts and details that demonstrate to us that this was a historical event. We we didn't read from all of them, but in in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Luke tells us, that it was while Caesar Augustus was emperor, these things happened. In verse 2, he tells us it was while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Do you know why he tells us these facts? It's because these events are historically verifiable events. There was a real Mary, there was a real Joseph, They really did make the 90-mile journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus decreed that a census was to be taken and everyone had to return to their ancestral home. And in Joseph's case, being of the line of David, his home city was Bethlehem. Luke would use historical to sum up Christmas because the first Christmas really happened. Now stress this because many people when they think of Christmas, at least in our increasingly secular culture, think of Jesus in the same category as Santa. It's all made up. It's a fairy tale. It's all far too fetched. It's too far fetched. Now even though there is so much of a supernatural element in this first Christmas, There's the angels, there's the virgin birth. I want to suggest to you that that doesn't make this any less real or historical. Like, think about it like this. It makes it all the more real. 
Because remember, this is the account of God coming into our world. And you would expect, if it is real, if it is true, for there to be the supernatural. One word. Word one. Christmas is historical. It is not a fairy tale. It is his, it is history. The second word that I think Luke would give us is this word. Essential. Christmas is essential. In other words, Christmas really matters. It is not irrelevant to our lives. It's something that we must pay careful attention to. It is a pivotal moment in human history. You know, today is the year 2022. 2022 years after what? After the death of our Lord. Christmas is not something that we can ignore. Luke understood that the purpose, the significance, the relevance of Jesus coming into this world was to save us from our sin. Indeed, that's what we read about. He shall be given the name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. Now, it's not surprising that so many people can think of Christmas as irrelevant to their lives. Because it gets lost in the tinsel and the trees, the presents and the giving. When at the very heart of the Christmas story in the Bible, it is a rescue operation. And if you don't appreciate this fact, you won't appreciate that the first Christmas is deeply relevant to your life. It could not be more hard, it could not be more applicable. Christmas really matters. Now, we don't like admitting this to ourselves, but we're a world in desperate need of a saviour. We turn on our televisions, we watch the news, and we see there in high definition, don't we, that our world is in chaos. There are so many catastrophes, calamities. There are wars, there is terrorism, there's murders, there's robberies, there's greed, there's dishonesty. And we could go on and on and on. We see the the brokenness of our world in our TV screens, but let's be honest, we just need to look in the mirror. And we see that the same problem that's out there is also in here. As we look in the mirror of God's word, that, that is what we discover. That we, at our very hearts, we are broken people. We are sinful people. You may have heard this story before. A little boy who desperately wanted to play Joseph in the nativity play. But instead, his teacher gave him a minor part to play. He got the role of the innkeeper. Well, he was so offended and upset that little boy suckly, uh, that the little boy went away and he, he waited and he thought to himself, how could he get his revenge? On the night of the play with the school hall packed with teachers, parents, family, friends, Mary Joseph came towards him and delivered their line. Is there any room at the inn? Instead of saying no and offering the stable, the boy saw his opportunity to steal the show and with a broad smile 
said, yes, plenty of room, come on in. Poor Mary and Joseph stood dumbfounded, not knowing what to do next. And the production descended into chaos. Well, here's the thing, as one preacher has written, there's something of that little boy in all of us. If all the the, the world was a stage and and God, our creator, wrote the play, designed the set, and is the producer as well, our role was to live as he designed. In grateful trust and submission to him. That's the best way. That's the way that our maker intended. But yet, we're not happy with the role that he's given us to play. We tear up the script, we write our own lines, push God to the margins, and we put ourselves at the center. And in a word, that is sin. And because of our sin, we are separated from God. We are alienated from God. Because of our sin, we need desperately a Savior. And that's why God, at the first Christmas, sent his Son to save. You know, when you you stand back and you think about the wonder of the Christmas story, here's the wonder of the incarnation. The baby in the manger was the God who created this universe. Our sin is such a serious problem, deadly dangerous, that not only does it put our lives in jeopardy, we stand guilty before the perfect and just judgment of God. And the thing about our perfect and glorious God is he can't just brush our sins under the carpet. Our sins need to be dealt with. And so the wonder of the incarnation is this. He was sent to live the life that you and I could never live. Perfect. In order that he might be our perfect substitute. Jesus willingly, gladly, lovingly came to die in our place for our sin. In order that Our sins might be forgiven. Our penalty and the punishment our sins deserve paid for in full. And not only that, the wonder of God become man is that he lived, he died, and he rose. Defeating death and opening up the way to eternal life with him forevermore. The breathtaking beauty of The first Christmas is the babe in the manger is God come to save. That's why Christmas is essential. That's why Christmas is so deeply relevant to our lives. So look, we'd say Christmas is historical, essential, and then finally he would say joyful. And by joyful, I don't mean the transient joy of tinsel or the fleeting joy of the festivities or the passing joy of giving presents. No, I don't mean the joy of a commercialized Christmas. I mean the Christmas, the joy that Jesus came to offer us at Christmas is deep, lasting, satisfying, eternal joy. If you ask Luke, what what is Christmas all about? He would say it's about the gift of God In Christ who brings great joy for all people. Did you see that in in, in Luke's passage, right? What was the response to the arrival of God in the flesh? The angels, the heavenly hosts, 
singing praises, overcome with joy. Because in this earth-shattering event, God came down to earth to save. And here we see the joy of heaven overflowing to this earth. Look at what it says in, in verse 10. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That can be for you, for me, for all of us. You know what is, is, is offered in Christmas is the greatest gift ever given to man. God in his son given for you to save you, to forgive you, to restore you back to relationship with God so that you might live out the purpose you were made for. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You know, the invitation of Christmas is is an invitation for his story to become part of your story. A better story. A better Christmas. So, look, how would you sum up Christmas in three words? Historical, essential, joyful. Historical, it really happened. Essential, it really matters. Joyful, it changes everything. So let me ask you that question for yourself. How would you sum up Christmas? Well, our prayer as a church is that you would come to put your faith and trust in Jesus who came into this world to save sinners like you and me so that we could have the greatest gift ever given. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Our glorious God, we thank you so much for this day that you've given us to celebrate the coming of your son into this world and to remember he is coming again. He's coming to right every wrong. He's coming to bring in and usher in the new creation. He's coming to rid this world of sin, of death, of darkness, of suffering. Our glorious God, we thank you for the absolute good news of the gospel. And we thank you that by believing in putting our trust in your son, that it changes everything. Our sins forgiven. Life in its abundance. Life to its full. And joy unspeakable is given to those who trust in you. God, we pray that this morning you would open all eyes and all ears here to see not only the relevance and the real reliability, but to see that they can put their confidence in you, knowing that you're the God who can be trusted because you mean what you say and you say what you mean. You've kept every promise. All who come to you, you will in no way cast out. And so we pray that, Lord, we would all come to you and give you our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.